Are you paying more than you should for things that don't really bring you peace? Struggling to meet your financial goals? We can help. Hi, I'm Diane Freeby of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, inviting you to learn how making little changes to daily spending habits can make a big difference. Schedule a free financial checkup today at NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. That's NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It's time for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish football fix. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Ladies and gentlemen. Chuck Freebie and Angelo DiCarlo. So far, it's been really good for Notre Dame football. Now 2-0 after a 56-3 thumping of Tennessee State Saturday in the Notre Dame Stadium opener. The Irish have outscored their first two opponents 98-6. But now comes their first Power 5 challenge. It'll be on the road Saturday at North Carolina State. Welcome, everybody, to the Notre Dame Federal Credit Union Irish Football Fix. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. I'm Chuck Freeby. And I'm Angel DiCarlo. Happy Labor Day. We are laboring for you so you don't have to. Hope you're enjoying your day. Sam Hartman continues to dazzle, leading Notre Dame to touchdowns on this stat's crazy. 11 of 12 possessions he's been in the game for. The Irish have a difference maker at quarterback, we have come to realize, and they've yet to give up a touchdown defensively, but it's been against two lesser opponents. Can the Irish continue to dominate this week against the Wolfpack? A question we will explore over the next hour. Also on tap tonight, Marcus Freeman tried to avoid gushing over Sam Hartman and in the process gushed all over Sam Hartman. We'll also hear from the Irish quarterback on his relationship with the Irish coach and how much respect these two guys have for one another. Plus, I chat one-on-one with Irish cornerback Benjamin Morrison. He burst onto the scene as one of college football's best defensive backs last year. As just a freshman, we talk about his goals now, what motivates him on the field, and how a major injury in high school turned into the best thing to happen to him because it helped him find God. We're talking faith, family, and football with Benjamin Morrison later in the show. We'll start, of course, with Notre Dame's dominating performance. Once again, a little shaky in the beginning, but Chuck, maybe one other newsworthy note here. A couple injury updates coming out of here. Something maybe people didn't realize was Matt Salerno getting a lower leg injury during the game, and Marcus Freeman saying in his Monday press conference he'll be out an extended period of time. I think that's that could be a big deal here for the for the Irish coming up. So far it's been everything's worked out really well, but as your competition increases, Salerno could be a reliable target you want to go to even though he hasn't really done much in the first two games. Hurts third depth at wide receiver, no question. Gabe Rubio not expected to be back for a couple more weeks. Apparently he did have arthroscopic surgery on his knee last week. Devin Ford after that hit that he took on the kickoff against Tennessee State He's in the concussion protocol to the surprise of no one. The good news is Drake Bowen should be back this week to give him a little more depth at linebacker. All right, here's where I want to start with. Certainly Notre Dame has not played a good opponent yet, right? We know Navy was a lesser opponent. We know Tennessee State was a lesser opponent. But in those games, we have seen Notre Dame in the past, Chuck, not play well against really bad opponents. So far, they have played well Maybe a little shaky early on against Tennessee State. We were in the press box, and I'm like, ooh, uh, this could be that, that hangover from Dublin came along a little longer than expected, maybe. But then they really got their stuff together and obviously blew blew Tennessee State out. Marcus Freeman did note today at his press conference he was disappointed with the crispness that his team came out with 
it really seemed like the Devin Ford hit woke up this team a little bit and made them realize, oh, we are playing football this Saturday. And after that, the defense did a stellar job in the red zone on that series. And then Jason Anye blocked a field goal. And it's the reason he was the special teams player of the week as he got that field goal block. And then after that, everything seemed to click for the Irish. Offensively, everything has clicked for the Irish with Sam Hartman at quarterback. He has been phenomenal. 12 series that he has been on the field for, they have 11 touchdowns and a missed field goal attempt. It's pretty remarkable. And then eight different players scored in the game against Tennessee State, which I have not seen officially whether or not where that ranks because that's got to be up there. I don't know how many games. Maybe maybe there's a game they scored 70-something points and they had nine players, but it's got to be up there. They scored three four rushing tu- three rushing touchdowns, excuse me, Jeremiah Love, Sam Hartman, and Audrick Estime, receiving touchdowns from Chris Tyree and Holden Stays from Sam Hartman, Jadarian Price and Jabron Payne from Stephen Jelly, and then Clarence Lewis had a pick six. Eight touchdowns is from eight different players is remarkable. Still, it gets down to the quarterback play. I thought his confidence, his experience, uh, the the two-minute drill, which was really a 53-second drill at the end of the first half, where he connects on six consecutive passes, four of them to tight ends who had not seen the ball previously this year, and takes the team down the field, what was it, 75 yards and 35 seconds. They had a timeout to use. They didn't need it. He was like watching Brian Radigan do orthosurgery in there. He had the scalpel in hand, and he just picked people apart. It was fun to watch, and it gave Marcus Freeman a reason to talk about his quarterback after the game, how much of a difference maker he is, how Hartman's abilities give him as a coach confidence to call the timeouts that he called late in the first half to set up the drive we just talked about. And then Anch had a chance to ask him also about the little flip on Hartman's touchdown run. You know, the thing about Sam is is the ability for him to come over to me and say, I'm good. You know, he made some, some maybe an error or two. Hey, a, a bad read. And he looked at me and was like, I'm good. You know, and so six years, man, that experience is, is so important. He, he's a heck of a football player. But the ability to handle the elements, maybe not playing perfect, big games, maybe a game where you're fav- highly favored, um, he is a, a very experienced player, and I'm sure glad we have him. Could you speak to the luxury of knowing that you have a quarterback? It doesn't matter if the field's 150 yards long. He's probably going to be able to take you downfield. Yeah, yeah he's pretty good. Um, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I, I don't want to tell him that too often, but, man, he is uh, – Again, it's a, it's a level of comfort knowing that, hey, you can put that guy. Sometimes when you don't have that confidence in your quarterback, you're not going to call timeout. You're going to say, let the clock run out. Let's get out of this half and go to the locker room. But I wanted to get the ball in Sam Hartman's hands to run our offense in that two-minute situation because I've seen it over and over, him go out and execute. You know, and he did it last week. He did it again this week. And so I have the utmost confidence. If we have probably at least 20 seconds to 20 to 30 seconds on the clock before half, I'm going to call a timeout and try to get the offense the ball. And what, were your, what was your reaction to uh, Sam's front flip touchdown? Mm. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of don't want to see him do that. But more than that, I said, was this planned? Because you, you kind of did some gesture to the, to the fans. Like, I said, have you done that before? He's like, no, I was just thinking of people. <laughs> thanking the people for coming or something like that. I'm like, all right, you might have had that one planned, but yeah.
Yeah. Keep your feet on the ground. <laughs> well, that was uh, the perfect reaction you would expect. That was the reaction pretty much the whole stadium had. Uh, Chuck, we were in the press box, and I think we all uh, kind of just went, oh, like, wh what are you doing, buddy? Like, this is Tennessee State. Like, don't don't hurt yourself. But uh, he's, he's he, as he said, he's the man in the arena. He wants to entertain. It wasn't something that Sam said he planned afterwards, uh, but it was something that he's done before. It's, it's one of those moments that, like, he does it against Ohio State or USC, and you're like, yeah, baby. You do it against Tennessee State, and you're like, oh, please don't get hurt. We can't afford you getting hurt. Yeah, but Mark is pulling out a little Casey Kasem there. Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. <laughs> and certainly you can expect Hartman to continue to reach for the stars. He has developed a wonderful relationship with Marcus Freeman. And afterwards, when Sam got to the podium, he had a chance to talk about what he and Marcus talk about on the sideline. Oh, it was surreal. I mean, from the uh, from the get-go, right, you know, doing mass, coming out to a lot of the guys are saying this is one of the bigger crowds they've seen just on the walk. And I mean, for me, it's all big. So it, it was it was surreal. I got to see my parents. You know, I, I missed them. So my mom's probably mad at me because I didn't give her a hug. But we'll hopefully make up for that at some point. But it, it was great. I mean, I think it's this experience, this, you know, process for me has been so cool. And um, obviously, we got a lot of a lot of ball left to play and a lot of moments and memories still to make. But a great one to start with. Sam, I was curious, in the first half, you know, the, the flow of the game on the sidelines, you, you have a lot of conversation with, with Coach Freeman, you know, before series, after series. Is that, is that strategy? Is it approach? Like, what do you guys talk about in those moments? Is it, or is it just, like, joking around? It just depends. You know, sometimes it's the weather. Sometimes it's super serious football talk. I mean, I think, you know, we, uh, you know, we have a great relationship. I mean, I think it's, it's been very, you know, humbling or whatever you want to call it, experience to, you know, play for him and, and be a part of his team. You know, he's second to none. I think there's uh, many, you know, qualities that he possesses as a coach and, you know, as a man and as a father. Um, you know, I'm older, so, you know, we're, we're closer in age. So, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, big brother-ish relationship, but also a head coach relationship when he needs to be. And it, it's something that I, I cherish and value a lot and um, appreciate, you know, his, his mentorship and his, his ability to kind of do what he does in the spotlight he has and handle everything that's thrown at him like a pro. You know, here's, here's the thing to remember. Sam Hartman is 24. Marcus Freeman is only 37. So when he talks about him in older brother terms, I can relate. That's the age difference between myself and my brother. And so, that, that's the same for me and my brother, right? Yeah. And if you notice on that soundbite, you heard a lot of laughter in the room like, oh, that's preposterous. Like he's making a joke that Hartman was joking about being older, right? Because he is older as a 24-year-old right. quarterback. But in reality, it was, no, we really aren't that far apart. He, that part, I don't think he was necessarily joking about. It is only a 13-year gap. So I, I thought that was uh, that was funny, and especially that both of us have similar type of situations where we have a 13-year age gap with our, our brothers. It's kind of funny. And I think that it's one of the reasons that Marcus Freeman, look, 10 years from now, he's not going to have that advantage, right? He won't be able to relate to his players as well. But at this point, he's still in a period where he's a older brother, perhaps to some. He'll feel like a father figure to others, maybe a cool uncle to others. But he still has that advantage to have that pulse of his team, which is something he can take advantage, something that, you know, Brian Kelly didn't have in his last 
few years at Notre Dame because he was older, right, by the end of it. Um, so I think that's something that helps, and you can see that relationship really growing, which is great to see between the quarterback and the head coach, but also the quarterback and a defensive-minded head coach. Well, it does make you wonder what kind of correction does Marcus Freeman offer to Sam Hartman because they're just two different worlds, two different sides of the ball, really. I mean, Freeman's been defensive-minded all his life. He really took last year to try to learn quarterbacking with Tommy Reese and the quarterbacks that were in the room at that time. But here's Sam Hartman, who's been quarterbacking for six years in college, not to mention what he did in high school or before he got there. So I'm not sure exactly what kind of corrections Marcus Freeman can give him other than to say, hey, this is what defenses look at, and here's some things for you to consider as you go along. And maybe that's why they have a good relationship, because maybe it's not necessarily the straight correction. And quite frankly, how many corrections can you make right now with the way Sam Hartman has played? He's been unbelievable. How about this for his stats on the season, Chuck? Just to kind of put this in perspective of how good he's been, 33 of 40, 82.5%. 445 yards, six touchdown passes, no interceptions, one rushing touchdown. I don't care who you're playing. That's pretty remarkable. And apparently he's been blitzed 12 times this season. He's completed passes on all 12 of those blitzes. So not only is he reading the defense well, he is getting the offensive line and the running backs into position to protect him on those blitzes so that he can be successful. Now that could change this week. That will sure. change in some capacity this week against NC State, a program that Sam Hartman has struggled with. He's only one and two against them. We're going to talk about that in our final segment when we preview the NC State game. So that will change in a little bit. But in this game, he only played a half. And that allowed Steve Angeli to get in the game. Something we talked about last week, one of the things we wanted to see was Angeli get real time at quarterback. He did. We were wondering, what does he have anything here? Does he have anything here? And he ended up being 8 of 11 through two touchdown passes, as Hartman joked, seven-yard bombs <laughs> because all they were were dump-offs. And, you know, his – Running backs in the backfield took off from there and and ran for touchdowns. But as Marcus Freeman pointed out today in the presser, he made the checks that he needed to make at the line of scrimmage. He showed toughness. He stood in the pocket, took a couple of hits. He did all the things that they were looking for so that they can have confidence that if a time comes where they have to put Steve Angeli in the game, whether it's for one snap because Sam Hartman's helmet pops off or for an extended period of time, they can feel comfortable with Angeli at quarterback. You know, those touchdown passes for Angeli to Jadarian Price and then to Gibran Payne, excuse me. And it's amazing because when you look at our poll question, one of the three that we did this week, what young player has impressed you the most in the Notre Dame offense? Three of them are running backs. By the way, Audric Estime has rushed for uh, 200 yards in the first two games. So he is no doubt the one number one running back. And yet... Three guys behind him are in consideration for being the best young player on the offense, which is pretty incredible. And then you also throw in Jaden Greyhouse, Jeremiah Love, Jabron Payne, and Jadarian Price. It's pretty remarkable that you can have three running backs in that in that category. By the way, if you were wondering how the poll came out, uh, Jeremiah Love wins the poll because you people are right. And uh, 43% <laughs> voted for Jeremiah Love, the burst that he showed on the touchdown run and the burst that we've seen at times during this fall camp 
really make you feel like he can be a special running back at Notre Dame. He had nine rushes, 86 yards, and a tutty and one catch. Uh, I know that Jaden Greathouse, so far, five catches, 98 yards, and those two touchdowns against Navy. But the point that Anj is making about the depth in the running back room, it's something that we have not really been accustomed to here at Notre Dame. Last year, they had the three-headed running back situation. Everybody thought that was superb. Now that I can go four deep, and, and poor Devin Ford, if he hadn't been knocked out of the game, you think that he would have gotten a fair share of time too. Prior to that injury, DeLan McCullough was telling anybody who wanted to listen, we'll go five deep in the running back room, and you can see why. Love finished with 43% of the vote. Jaden Greyhouse, 37%. Price had 13%. Payne had 7%. Personally, I would have gone with Greathouse. Uh you know, it sounds like you would have went with Love. I would have went with Greyhouse. He just gives that extra dimension in in the passing game that they absolute need. They absolutely need. That doesn't mean that Love won't end up being a superstar. The, all these guys might end up being superstars. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But I think Greathouse gives them something in an area where they absolutely need it. So that's why, to me, he's so valuable and he's impressed me that he's he stepped up in a program where. Rookie wide receivers never do anything. Well, they never got to play under Brian Kelly. They're getting to play now, so that's a difference. I still There's a couple of things I still want to see from this offense, though. I want to see an established deep threat. I realize Greathouse caught a longer ball against Navy, but it was a ball that was underthrown. I want to see if they've got anybody that can consistently threaten a defense deep. I don't really think they do. And that could be a problem as the year goes along. And I want to see the offense. Yes, we've talked about the great numbers in the running game, but a lot of those are because of big chunk runs like Audric Estime had, the 50-yard run on the first play of the second quarter. I want to see consistency, especially at the start of a game, with the running attack because so far, the first drive against Navy, Hartman had to convert three third and longs in that drive. And the first drive against Tennessee State wasn't exactly... Um, churning, cruising down the field. It wasn't until Love had the big burst run that we saw the Irish actually move. But I still don't feel like the offense or the defense, for that matter, has faced any true adversity. And that's that's the point, right? Because they haven't faced really a quality opponent right. yet on the other side of the ball. All right, it's a Northern Lakes Conference showdown this Friday in our TV46 High School Football Game of the Week as Northwood plays host to Northridge. Watch it Friday night at 11 p.m., Saturday morning at 9 a.m. on WHME TV46. Let's switch sides of the ball now and talk about the defense, which has yet to give up a touchdown through two games. They've given up just six points. So how about this, Chuck? The defense has scored just as many points so far this year as they've given up, because Clarence Lewis has a pick six. So they've given up six points. They've scored six points. That's crazy. Kind of like Sam Hartman with incompletions and touchdowns. Those are equal as well. But uh, the defense has been phenomenal, I think. I thought they really showed great improvement in the red zone, especially on Saturday. Yes, I know the caliber of Tennessee State. I understand that, folks. But that didn't matter to Notre Dame's defense last year. Once you got inside the 20, they were like a doorman. They rolled out the red carpet, held the door open, and said, come on into the end zone. And they didn't stop anybody. They were 130th in the nation last year in red zone defense. So the fact that they were able to force a stop and then get a block field goal in that situation in the first quarter, 
I thought that was a huge boost for Al Golden's unit. And and force a stop in a situation that was sudden change that wasn't their fault that they were put into that position, right? They gave up the field goal on the first drive, and then they come down on the kickoff, and Devin Ford gets blown up. We'll talk about targeting at the end of the segment. And they lose the ball. They Tennessee State starts first and 10 at Notre Dame's 12-yard line. And here's an opportunity where Tennessee State could take the lead on Notre Dame late in the first quarter. And Notre Dame says, uh-uh. And they won't let him do anything. And then Jason Anye gets the, the blocked field goal. And really, what a superb job. Again, against Tennessee State, we keep on saying that. But still, these are situations you practice in practice, right? And you actually get to do it in a real game, sudden change situation in front of 77,000 people. That That's a big deal. And here's Clarence Lewis and Jason Onye on how much pride they take in not giving up a touchdown so far yet this year. I think we take a lot of pride in it for sure. I mean, we just want to be obviously dominant no matter who we play. So that's great. That's a great thing to take a pride in that, not allowing a score. I would say it's big, but I would say it's big, but that's like our expectation. That's our standard as a defense. We we like want to make sure we leave teams with no touchdowns and no scores. That's like our goal. Like last game, us letting them score three points was like a, we were upset about that. You know, like we just want to make sure that like this defense this year, we just want to make sure we hold teams and just make sure we're dominant. And obviously, they would take a lot of pride in that, right? Is that gonna? This would probably be the last week that happens that I would assume NC State scores a touchdown this week, but nevertheless, still very big positive for this defense. And one of the reasons they're stepping up is they have their own set of, I don't want to say all young players, but guys that have not really played a lot of significant time in the past that have that have stepped up. So we asked another poll question of which of the following defensive players have surprised you most with their productivity. We put on the ballot. Jordan Botello, Joshua Burnham, Jason Onye, and Jalen Sneed. And it was it was actually a runaway. Burnham wins handily at 44%. And he deserves to because here's a guy, we didn't mention his name preseason, really. He didn't come right. up. And here he is being very productive so far. Six tackles, two, two TFLs, a sack, and two hurries through two games. Well, he's been explosive defensively. I think that's the thing that makes Joshua Burnham stand out. And by the way, those of you who voted in the poll, you got this one right too. So congratulations. <laughs> uh, that's not to say that the contributions from any of the other three should be diminished. And you'll notice those are all defensive linemen. Sneed's kind of a hybrid. They, they put him at linebacker, but they can sometimes put him at defensive end as well. And his value is seen very much in being a pass rusher or at least a containment guy on the outside. There was no question about Notre Dame's linebackers coming into the year. There was no question about the cornerbacks. The two big question marks were the safeties, which remains a question mark because in my mind they still haven't faced a passing attack, and the defensive line. People wondered, where's the pass rush going to come from? Can they stop a team on the ground? Well, they faced a team that runs the ball pretty well and has a pretty difficult offense to stop in Navy, and they held them to, what, 150 yards, I think? So they did a really good job there. They passed the test there, and then we started to see a pass rush against a team that at least attempts to throw the ball in Tennessee State. So the signs are good. Does that mean we crown them yet? Of course not, because we know that the competition coming up is a much tougher test for this unit, but you have to be pleased with, again, the depth that is shown among this defensive line group 
and the explosive talent. Batello and Burnham are two guys that can get after it. Sneed as well. We've been waiting for Batello, right? And it's good to see him uh, starting to rise to to be the potential that people have been waiting for. Better than waiting for Godot, but go ahead. (laughs) But, you know, you mentioned the defensive backs, and that's a very important point. We, We toyed with putting Xavier Watts in there, but then I thought about it, and I'm like, you know what? No one on the defensive backs have really been challenged yet in, in any real capacity. At least the the, the, the pass rushers, they, they they have up front. So it, it made sense to do that. All right. A poll question we're going to do every single week that you've heard the last couple of weeks is simply how many games do you think Notre Dame will win in the regular season? The needle moved quite a bit from the preseason to after we saw them play against Navy. It didn't really change at all. From the Navy game to Tennessee State, uh, pretty much at the same spot. Nineteen percent say undefeated. Thirty-seven uh, percent say eleven wins. Thirty-four percent say ten wins, and ten percent say nine wins or less. At this point, I'm still in the same boat, Chuck. I'm still at ten wins myself, just simply because of how tough the competition is on the schedule. If this was one of the other schedules Notre Dame has had over the last five or six years. I probably would be tempted to be at 11 and 1 or 12 and 0, but uh, with with the Ohio States, the USC's, and the Clemson's on the schedule still, um, it makes it very difficult to go that 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 way. And Dos Leprechauns, a great podcast, said, "I'm still at 10 wins. Love what I'm seeing so far, and it's very early. Haven't seen much either way from our upcoming opponents to know how we will match up. That makes sense." And always good when your sponsors are throwing in their two cents and listening. And Watson from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. If we come out against NC State and look impressive, I say 11-1. If we come out and look like the team that lost to Marshall a year ago, I'm going 9-3. Hartman is fantastic. Shows crazy amount of poise and looks like a pro quarterback. But I'm not yet convinced the rest of the team is at his level. Listen, and I will say this. If they come out looking like Marshall at any point, they're going to lose whatever game that is the rest of the way outside of maybe Central Michigan. Right. But if they do that against NC State, 9-3 and three is not going to happen either. It might be 8-4 and four because that, that would be horrible. I don't think that's going to happen. But to her point, this is the week where we really start figuring out how good this team is. Our friend Charlie Adams is going to stay with the chalk. He's going nine wins in the regular season with losses to Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. Obviously, um, He probably made that comment before Ohio State's game with Indiana because Indiana did not look all that uh, overmatched against Ohio State. And Ohio State doesn't look all that impressive against the Hoosiers, but it's the opening game with a new quarterback for them, too. Fabian, I don't think that's the artist from the 60s. I think we'll go 10-2 and this year. Sadly, I don't think we'll beat Ohio State or Clemson. Well, apparently he thinks they're going to beat USC. Mm. Yeah, that's... That's interesting. That's the one I would not uh, jump on right now, is in my opinion. All right, let me ask you this question. Do you know what targeting is? No. Come on now. Uh, I have enough insanity in my life to try to have to explain to people right now uh, that trying to explain yet another illogical thing just makes my head explode. Uh, it's unbelievable. I feel like George Costanza where I officially have decided I'm going the opposite route when it comes to targeting. If I see targeting, whatever I think the call is, I am going to say the opposite is what the referees are going to It's working out well for me because every time I see it, I go, yes, that's targeting. They say no. And no, that's targeting. They say yes. I don't understand the rule. 
I don't think anyone seems to understand the rule, and I feel like they got both calls wrong yesterday. So let's review the calls quickly for you in the game. In the first quarter, Devin Ford is returning to kickoff for Notre Dame. He gets blown up by a Tennessee State player, fumbles, Tennessee State recovers. The crew, the uh, trainers come out to tend to Devin Ford. They go to a TV timeout. There was never an official saying the previous play is under review. It is possible that a video review happened during the injury timeout, but we were never told that happened. And Marcus Freeman today said the explanation he was given was the Tennessee State player hit Devin Ford with the forehead of the helmet and not the crown of the helmet. Which I guess I didn't even realize. Again, another reason why targeting is so bizarre to me. As if the forehead of the helmet is not going to hurt someone. Uh, uh, Devin Ford in concussion protocol. So, like, I don't understand the rule. It just doesn't make sense to me in any sense. Like, it doesn't make sense in safety purposes. Like, when you 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 see a guy get lit up and he looks like, I don't want to say it was intentional, but it looks like that guy went full-fledged and didn't care what he did. And you're like, wow, that's how it's going to hurt the guy. They don't call it. And then when you see a guy hit a shoulder, had no other option where to hit, they're like, nope, it was the crown of the house. I just don't understand. And I almost wish they didn't even bother with it at all. Well, on the play that you're talking about, Antonio Carter of Notre Dame, defensive back, was ejected. When, as you put here, appeared he hit shoulder first, Marcus Freeman said in the press conference today, no, that was the right call. He did get him with the crown of the helmet. Sure. I'm, I'm not here to tell you that Marcus Freeman is a diplomat of any sort. I will say I, I got the sense sitting in that press conference today that he truly believed what he was saying about Antonio Carter and he, well, he truly believed what he said about Devin Ford, too, in that he said, the explanation I was given. He believed he got that explanation because that's probably the explanation he was given. I don't think he truly believes that that wasn't a targeting either. I can go all day on this. All right. we Coming up, still to come, we'll break down the matchup with NC State on the road this week. And up next, my conversation with Notre Dame software quarterback, cornerback Benjamin Morrison. The talent behind the player is incredible. The person Behind the talent, even more remarkable. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix is back after this. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill. Except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Medicare benefits can be confusing, but they don't have to be. I'm Tony Letcher, licensed insurance agent. Imagine being able to explore all your options. I work with many of the top nationally recognized carriers, and when we shop multiple carriers, you could save the right coverage at the right price. I don't want you to be my client today. I want you to be my client forever. Call Tony Ledger today to schedule your free consultation or visit tledger.com. There's nothing quite like that first taste after the grill master has patiently smoked meat for just the right flavor. That meat will elevate the spread at any tailgate party, fall get-together, birthday, holiday event, wedding, company outing, and more. 
When you want that meal, contact Cotton Gin Catering. They offer real Texas-style barbecue catering. In fact, they're Michiana's best barbecue catering company. Get all the details at cottongincatering.com. Join Ange and me Friday night at 6 here on Pulse FM for the Tire Rack Drive to the game as we preview week four of high school football with interviews and picks Friday at 6 right here on Pulse. All right, time now for our Focus on Faith interview with Irish sophomore cornerback Benjamin Morrison. Was a preseason All-American along with offensive lineman Joe Alt-Morrison, a freshman All-American last year with six interceptions. Now, we have not heard his name called too much so far this year for two reasons. One, Navy doesn't throw the ball that much. And then two, teams are realizing maybe you don't throw in his direction that much because he's that good. Morrison comes from an extremely athletic family where all his siblings went D1. His dad also also played in the NFL. His dad, a pastor, and Benjamin grew up in a very faith-filled family as a result. But he says it wasn't until three and a half years ago when he truly found God. And that came in what was one of the most difficult points in his life when he suffered a major injury while in high school. This is an incredible conversation about faith, family, and football. Here's Focus on Faith with Benjamin Morrison. All right, Benjamin, let's start with this. What, what was last season like for you? Exciting. I mean, it was, it was a, those are roller coaster of events. I mean, some days you, you felt like you were on top of the world. Some days you just felt on the bottom. I feel like that was just the beauty of last year, um, just being able to have those growing pains um, and being able to have a coaching staff who believed in you and trusted you um, to continue to put you out there in those situations to ultimately allow me to thrive um, to the best of my ability. Take me back to week one against Ohio State. Obviously, it didn't end up going your guys' way with a victory, but you kind of showed right away what you were made of. Did you know going in what you were capable of, or did that kind of show yourself what you could do as a freshman? Um, I ultimately feel like I knew what I was capable of doing, um, but it just took a matter of time um, and just the, the talent level, even at at this university. So I felt as if I was prepared throughout the, the previous camp leading up to that uh, first game of the season. Um, so I felt as if I could do things in practice, if I can make plays in practice, ultimately that will lead to the game. Can I say how you practice, how you're going to play? Um, so that's the biggest thing is being able to uh, implement the things I'm doing out there into the game. And I allow, if I allow myself to do that, then I think I'll be in pretty good shape. Obviously, the Clemson game was uh, a great game for yeah. you. Two interceptions. Take us back to that and what that feeling's like, especially as a freshman. Yeah, I mean that was just an ultimate just blessing from God. I mean, I was just able to just glorify Him in that, in that moment. I mean, I, I had a feeling before the game. Uh, there's a little backstory behind that uh, game. Just I, Clemson was my dream school, and I, I prayed for it, and I just wanted to. I wanted to be at Clemson. I thought that was the ultimate uh, just mecca of sports. Um, so I feel like that was just the dream. But it didn't work out in my shoes, so I just wanted to honestly just kind of, I wasn't blessed to get an offer from them, so that game I just wanted to make it known um, that I was able to play at this level and pr honestly prove it to myself because I lost a lot of confidence in myself when um, I didn't receive that offer from um, Clemson. So that was the biggest thing for me is proving myself that I was able to do uh, what I did. I saw that the grotto played a big role mm -hmm. in you feeling comfortable mm -hmm. at Notre Dame. Take me through that and how that experience going there kind of helped you realize that this was the place for you? Um, honestly, it was just, it was just kind of that, like that safe space. I mean, we're always here. Um, it's just a lot of stuff going on during the season especially, so it's kind of your escape and being able just to get away from things and just ultimately just figure out who you are outside of football. Um, just seeing normal civilians, normal people just walking around just, just and really enjoying this place as it is. So I feel the grotto just allowed me to feel part of the community um, and feel as if I am, I am truly a student here um, and not just an athlete. 
Talking faith, family, and football with Notre Dame cornerback Benjamin Morrison here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. Can you put in perspective how how much your faith means to who you are? Uh, it's everything who I am. I mean, I'm nothing without it. Um, just looking back at the days before I didn't know God, I don't know how I did it because there's a there's a there's a, a constant thirst for Him, just a constant just hunger after him and that's the biggest thing that I'm just so blessed that when I when I didn't know him he still had his hand upon my life and just continued to guide me um, and ultimately lead me to him so that's the biggest thing um, is he's just been this the ultimate just friend person just father who I just I'm grateful to know you say when I didn't know him mm -hmm. when was the turning point for you it was December 3rd of 2020 is when I ultimately gave my life to Christ um, it was through my hip surgery process. I found out I had to get hip surgery in high school, and that was at when I felt as if I was on top of the world. I mean, had the scholarship offers, had everything going for me, and then figuring out to get a, a nine-month recovery hip uh, hip label uh, repair, and that was just a, a major turn for me um, because I used to be able to do things. I loved being outside with my friends. I used to love to golf and stuff like that, and I was ultimately isolated. I was isolated with my family. Um, I was really just around those who loved me most, and I feel like that was when I was just able to um, kind of just have the best, just like clear vision of what God in heaven's like. It's just the family aspect, being loved, being taken care of. Because during that process, I wasn't able to do everything for myself. My parents had to help, my siblings had to help. And just that, that overwhelming flow of love, I, that, that just is something I can't uh, match. And I, I joke about now, I wish I could go back and just enjoy those moments a little more just because I was so focused on the future and trying to get on the field, get back on the field. But everything will work out for it. Everything will work out the way it needs to. So I just wish I would enjoy that a little more. It's weird to say that, right? How, I wish I enjoyed the process yeah. of recovering from a yeah. major surgery. Mm -hmm. How does that influence your love for God that you can put that in perspective, that he was there for you mm -hmm. at, at that time of, of real need for yeah. you as a young teenager? Yeah. Uh, so I would just say, honestly, just like, I feel like that was a turning point for me. Um, I was like, I'm going to stand like, before I, I was far from God, I, I just wasn't a part, I wasn't one with him at all. Um, so being a young and a teenager, it's kind of a leap of faith, understanding like you're going to high school telling people, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. Um, but I, it's the coolest thing to do. Once you follow God, it's the coolest thing you can do, man. And I just, I know uh, today, like I'm not perfect, I'm far from it, but just the constant quest of getting to know him is just beautiful. And I love the journey of the process. This is awesome. So even like where I'm at right now, like I'm still on a journey, um, enjoying the good and bad days, but thanking God through it all. At the same time, your dad's a pastor, so I imagine faith had to be important for you in some capacity yeah. growing up. I, I think it's, I don't know, I struggle with that because people like will, will kind of like suspect that I had to be a believer. My parents never forced it on me. Um, they never forced anything on me. Um, I just had to be at church every Sunday. And if I heard the message, I heard it. If I didn't, I didn't. But just being around church, so now... Ultimately, when I have a family, just I'm just have my kids involved with the church, have my kids involved, see just see beautiful parents just who love each other, have a family, um, and just love God, and that's the biggest thing. They, my parents had a great uh, example of a, a great marriage uh, that me and my siblings were able to just see and want eventually. So that's the beautiful thing um, about it, having a family who just pushes you closer to Christ but doesn't force it upon you. You're one of five kids. Uh -huh. All you and your siblings play D1 sports. Mm -hmm. Your dad played in the NFL. Yeah. Um, Who's who's the best athlete in the family? I would say my mom. She was a Hershey track star in um, middle school. She went to California. She tells me all the time how she used to run fast and stuff. Um, but I guess she loved my dad too much. She decided just to drop what she had to do and be with him. How much did being in that type of athletic family help you grow to where you are today? Because I imagine being the youngest, I mean, you had to be challenged quite a bit yeah. growing up. 
Uh, honestly, I think that was the, the opposite. I wasn't challenged that much. I was able to see them do what they did, and I wanted to do it. I was kind of the one pushed to the side and just being like, you'll, you'll get your turn, you'll get your turn. That was the biggest thing for me. I wanted it, um, and I just have always went, wanted it. And I signed myself up for football the day I could. My mom told me I could, so I mean, I just ultimately wanted it for myself. Service is always a big part of, of faith, and i seen you're going to the Ronald McDonald yeah. House here in town, the YMCA, I'm sure other places. Uh -huh. uh, how much pride do you take in those opportunities to, to kind of give back to the community and the kids in this area? Uh, a, a major role, just because I feel like we're, we're blessed to be in the shoes that we are, and blessed to be in the position that we are, um, just to be alive. So, I mean, there's less fortunate people out there. Um, who just need it more than us. And I feel like being able to really take a step back from our everyday lives and really just be able to serve people, um, ultimately I think that's the, best, that's the best gift. I mean, everything else is nice in life, but I feel like when you get to serve someone and you get the feeling of gratification that you help someone today, I think that's the best, that's the best feeling. Take me through a game day. Do you have certain rituals to get, get a hold of, to get the connection with God that, that helps you maybe before, during, or, or after a game? I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I wouldn't say anything rituals. I, I journal every night, read my Bible every night, um, so I date everything. Um, but the biggest thing for me is just honestly just glorifying him when I'm out there. Like, I, like anything could happen, like good, bad, but I just want to glorify him through it all. So, like, when, when the highs do come, I, I remember glorifying him when things weren't going my way. Um, so that's the biggest thing for me when I'm out there. Is, that's my biggest ritual, just glorify him through the way I play. Finally, one last football question. Mm -hmm. What are your individual goals for this year? I mean, how do you top last season? Yeah, I mean, that, I think that's a beautiful – I go back with my journey with God. I mean, there's – I can't top it. I just have to continue to lean on him and press on him, and whatever happens, happens. Because if I give my best to him, I think everything else will be taken care of. So the biggest thing for me this year is lean on God even more. I mean, trust him even more because people, some people don't even think you could do it twice. Some people don't even believe in you. Some people think it was luck, but I'll, like I know it wasn't luck because my God, he's just a, he's a great God. Benjamin, thank you very much. Best of, of luck the rest of the season. Of course. Have a good one. He's such an impressive young man. And I just love so much of what came out in this interview. We have this observation about what what's always been referred to as PKs, pastor's kids. Uh, and we, we tend to believe that, well, because they grow up with a pastor, that they must be strong in the faith and everything. And, and I thought Ben just did a really great job of revealing what was going on behind the scenes in his life and, and how he had to come to his own conclusions about God. It, it was great. I mean, he he got you feeling better about your own faith by listening to his story of his faith. When when you hear somebody in the, you know, he's a young man, you get a big injury when you want to be a big-time college football player, and and that's when, that's the moment where, you know, you want to go back and enjoy that moment of recuperating more because of the connections you made with your family during that time, and more importantly, the connections you made with God at that time. Really, really powerful stuff. Also, I know my friend Tim Beret, the former Clemson SID, listens to this podcast. Tim, don't let Dabo hear this because he's going to just be flogging himself after he realizes he let Ben Morrison go away. I think we're going to play the soundbite back, uh, that that soundbite back the week of the Clemson game, because we'll we'll be interested to see if uh, Benjamin Morrison gets ready for that game. Coming up, we preview Notre Dame's first true test of the season against North Carolina State and why Sam Hartman says he knows firsthand 
how tough facing the Wolfpack is. You're listening to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix on Pulse FM. Founded in 2001 by brothers Sam and Levi, Reliance has built a reputation for excellence, providing high-quality home building and renovation services to the Michiana area. From single-room renovations like kitchens and bathrooms to building your dream home from the ground up, everything benefits from their decades of experience. From concept to completion, Reliance makes even the largest projects simple and hassle-free. To find out more, visit ReliancedBR.net. Reliance. Design. Build. Renovate. Welcome to the St. Vincent de Paul Society. From providing food and clothing to assisting with bills and offering support, we're here to lend a helping hand during times of crisis. But we can't do it alone. We need your generosity to keep our mission alive. Call us at 574-234-6000 or visit svdpsb.org to learn more about how you can help. The St. Vincent de Paul Society. Together, we can bring hope to those in need. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union serves nonprofits, churches, and schools throughout the United States. They are the go-to people for nonprofit banking. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Head to NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate to learn more. Welcome back inside. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish football fix. He's Chuck Freebie. I'm Angel DiCarlo. Time now to break down the matchup between Notre Dame and NC State. Fourth all-time meeting. NC State leads 2-1. to one. Notre Dame won the last meeting 35-14 in 2017. Andy's last trip to Raleigh was that monsoon game in 2016 that everyone in ND Nation would love to forget that NC State won 10-3 and then NC State beat Notre Dame in the 2003 Gator Bowl as well. First game for the Irish against a Power 5 opponent. First time playing in an opponent's home stadium. This will be NC State's home opener. NC State 1-0 after a 24-14 win on the road at UConn on Thursday and they got a new quarterback this year in Brendan Armstrong who was very good in his time at Virginia. So a uh, very intriguing matchup. Dave Doran has done a nice job with the Wolf Pack. They're consistently winning about eight games a year. They've been really good at home. I think they've won something like 16 of their last 17 at Carter-Finley Stadium where they play their home games. And today at the press conference, everybody wanted to talk about Brennan Armstrong, who at one time, uh, a couple of years ago, was the nation's leader in total offense, but he got injured before the week Notre Dame played in what has become a famous meme game down at Virginia where the Irish came back to win it and left the Virginia fans slumped over in disbelief. Brennan Armstrong is a solid running quarterback. He's a decent throwing quarterback. The question is, can Notre Dame do things to disrupt him in this offense? Yeah, that's that's the thing. He, he's a very good runner. That's the bottom line. And Notre Dame will face a dual-threat quarterback for the first time here. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. Tennessee State's quarterback was dual-threat, but a higher, highly decorated uh, quarterback that, that can do both things, and, and he's rushed the ball really well. And I think uh, Marcus Freeman put it down there and, and laid it down. He was asked, how, how do you defend a mobile quarterback like Brendan Armstrong? Here's what Marcus Freeman has to say. I just think it's the, the mindset of, of your guys that are rushing, right? And, and we, we can't have guys behind the quarterback. We can't give him vertical lanes to step up and escape from. But it, it's a double-edged sword because I don't want four guys spying the quarterback. Right. And, and having a QB spy is something you'll have every game. But it's a, a mindset of understanding we have to be controlled in our rush. Um, we can't be out of control and be end up behind the quarterback and give him those lanes to escape from. But we're, we're going to have to keep him in the pocket. 
right? And it's something we didn't do a great job with at Tennessee State. I mean, he got out of the pocket a couple of times, though, though, both quarterbacks. And so we got to do a better job there. But it, it's just a mentality and a mindset. Like, we have to be aggressive, but we can't be out of control where we end up behind the quarterback. On the other side of the ball, you've got Sam Hartman, and you mentioned this earlier in the show. He has had his struggles against North Carolina State. Now, this was when he was playing at Wake Forest, two different types of offenses. But in his three games against North Carolina State, Sam Hartman is only 1-2. and two. He has only completed 55% of his passes, and he has thrown six interceptions to go with the six touchdowns. Last year, he threw for 397 yards, but he got picked off three times. But the reason he had to throw it so much is Wake could not move the ball on the ground. They had 25 carries for 17 yards in that game. I guarantee if that happens to the Irish, Notre Dame is in a world of hurt on Saturday because we know that the power running game is a huge part of this Notre Dame offense, and I think that should make Sam Hartman's world a little easier on this trip to Raleigh. The question is, though, what's the happy medium there? And at what point do we, what point do we meet the Sam Hartman that has struggled against NC State on one side, and then the Sam Hartman who has led Notre Dame on touchdowns on 11 of the 12 drives. Where is that in between? Because it's going to be in between. It's not going to be, I don't think he's going to be as bad as he's been against uh, NC State as he was at Wake Forest, and I don't think he's going to lead him on touchdown drives on every possession that, that he's out on the field for. So the question is, where is that in between, and then how does the Notre Dame defense? Here's the one thing that is a positive about Sam Hartman struggling against NC State when he was at Wake Forest. It allows him to tell his teammates that this is a team you have to prepare for in a major way. Don't worry about what they did against UConn 24-14. This is a team Sam Hartman respects in a lot of way, and he talked about that postgame on Saturday. NC State, there's there's no overlooking here. I, I understand the challenge. We understand the challenge at hand, especially on the road. Played there last year. It's a very hostile environment. You know, their fans are going to bring it. They're not going to like us. And, you know, we understand that there's a huge challenge. Obviously, their offense with Brandon Armstrong, a, a friend of mine who's um, an incredibly talented player and an offensive scheme from, you know, when he played at Virginia, um, a lot of trickeration. Then their defense is, is always strong. Coach Dorrant, they got them. Their linebacker core is always, always one of the best in the nation. D-line is always going to be strong. Their secondary has got some, some dudes. So it's, it's going to be a challenge. And obviously any game on the road in college football is always you know, another degree harder. And when you factor in it's NC State, it's, it's all, all the, the tests that we, we need and we're going we're gonna to face. Now the defense that he is facing this Saturday is different than the defenses that he has faced in the past. They had a top 20 defense in the nation last year. That's really what carried the Wolfpack. They had all kinds of quarterback problems. That's why they went out and got Brennan Armstrong. But five of the six top tacklers from that defense last year are gone. They do have Peyton Wilson back. He is a really solid linebacker. Uh, Third in tackles on the team last year. He's already got a pick against UConn this year, along with 10 tackles in that game. Uh, Davin Van, pretty solid defensive lineman. He had a sack against the Huskies. But I do like the matchup of the Notre Dame offense against the North Carolina State defense, if only because we have been led to believe so far this is a pretty balanced Notre Dame offense. And that's what 
will be tested, right? Because you're still facing a better defense, sure. but maybe not as good as as you mentioned. Not They're not going to be a top 20 defense from what we can tell based on what they've lost from a year ago. So you're not going to necessarily face that. But it's still a much better defense. You are going to face adversity in the game. How you handle that is important. Does Sam Hartman take care of the football? This has been the one knock against Sam Hartman in his previous tenure before he got to Notre Dame is that he threw a lot of interceptions. And the team that blew him up just about as much as anybody else is NC State. And I know we're saying they're not as good, but there's a lot of compliments still about that back back four. Uh, You know, the cornerbacks are still players that Marcus Freeman singled out in his opening comments as really talented players. These are the type of things that you're going to learn a lot about Notre Dame because whether or not Sam Hartman can lead them, it's been hunky-dory, right? Everything's great. And now if they face him, and maybe they don't. Maybe goes out and blows him out, and you don't face the adversity. But I'll be interested to see if that's the case. And and let's go back to this NC State offense a little bit, because one of the things that people expect Brennan Armstrong will be more effective this year than he was last year at Virginia is he's reunited with his old offensive coordinator, Robert Anai, who spent a year at Syracuse last year. So the fact that they're back and on the same page you would think makes this offense a little bit more dangerous. He's got some very nice receivers on the outside. I think Keon Lassane and Porter Rooks are are some big-time targets for him. The running backs don't wow me. No. I'm not excited about Jordan he's Houston the best, he, or Michael Allen. He's their yeah. best runner. He's yeah. their best runner. That's, that's the bottom line. Uh, Kevin Concepcion at receiver had a, a nice game for NC State against UConn, but it was UConn. And NC State kept it as vanilla as vanilla can be. You know they're going to break out all the stops against the Irish. Notre Dame favored by 6.5 points. We're not talking about gambling purposes, but we kind of want to put it in perspective. Kind of surprised us maybe that it was that low, but those people in Vegas know a thing or two more than we do about that in the over-under set at 50.5. What are your kind of thoughts on that? If I were the type of person to lay one down. I, I would tend to favor Notre Dame by more than six and a half. I just, yes, I know you have to look at caliber of competition, but I also look at the execution level of this team right now and the fact that they're burying teams in the past that they have allowed to hang around with them gives me hope that their execution level will continue to be at a high percentage. Not 100%, obviously, but at a high percentage on the offensive side. Defensive side, I look forward to seeing what these cornerbacks will do now that they're challenged. How will Benjamin Morrison and the rest of those cornerbacks step up this week against a team that's going to throw the ball? Well, or a team that's going to pick picked off by the running game of Brendan Armstrong that Notre Dame has not faced before. A reminder, when they played him two years ago, he was injured for the game. He led the nation in total offense heading into the Virginia-Notre Dame game but was unable to play because of injury. And again, as Chuck mentioned, reunited with that offensive coordinator. I am not concerned that the Notre Dame offense can't score. I'm concerned about the Notre Dame defense adjusting. Not Okay, first game against the option. Second game against a traditional offense, but it's a 1AA school. It's an HBCU. Now you're facing a Power 5 offense led by a really good quarterback. That is a massive 
leap, and I'm a little concerned. That's why I think the point spread is kind of spot on. I think it's going to be a struggle all day that's going to leave us with a lot of questions next week. Notre Dame 30, NC State 24, in my opinion. Wow. You're making me sound like Johnny Homer, and I don't know that I've ever sounded like Johnny Homer, but (laughs) I'm going to go with the Irish winning this one by a count of 35-17. I think Sam Hartman makes a triumphant return to the homeland of North Carolina. I think he carries this team that will be 4-0 heading into the game with Ohio State in a couple of weeks. Of course, there's Central Michigan before that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and if it's 35-17, that's a huge positive sign. I don't even think if it's 30-24, to it's ne- necessarily a total negative. We'll see how it just plays out. But uh, I think it's going to be closer in a hostile environment that you're going to see down in Raleigh. It always depends how you look on a 30-24, to 24, right? Yeah, it, it always depends. All right, that'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix, Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. And a shout-out to Cotton Gym Barbecue Supply Company, a new sponsor to our show. If you missed any part of tonight's episode, you can listen back to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. Subscribe, give us a five-star review, tell a friend what you like. Don't forget to join us Friday at 6 here on Pulse FM for the Tyrac drive to the game as we break down all things Michiana high school football. And if we're tossing out shout-outs, how about Thad Hunsberger and Corey Mann for being in here on a Labor Day to help us get this baby on the air. Plus, don't forget TV 46 Game of the Week Friday night, a big Northern Lakes Conference clash. Northwood plays host to Northridge. You can see it Friday night at 11 or Saturday morning at 9 on TV 46. For Angelo DiCarlo, it's Chuck Freebie. Notre Dame and NC State kick off Saturday at noon in Raleigh, North Carolina. You can watch it on ABC. And, of course, we're back with you next Monday night at 7 here on Pulse FM. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. You've been listening to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. You already share their values. Why not share in their benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Also powered by St. Vincent de Paul Society. Health Market's Tony Letcher. Reliance, Cotton Gin Barbecue Supply Company, and Tire Rack. Executive produced by Corey Mann. Engineered by Thad Hunsberger. Your hosts are Chuck Freebie and Angelo DiCarlo. Also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.